We're back. September 11th attacks United Americans to fight back against those responsible, which, as we know, was Al-Qaeda, headed by Osama bin Laden. As U.S. forces responded in fall 2001, one of the go-to guys for operations against Al-Qaeda and the Taliban government in Afghanistan was our guest today, Gary Bernson. Mr. Bernson's a 20-year veteran of the Central Intelligence Agency's clandestine services. He has served as chief of station on three occasions and as field commander of multiple operations, including the investigations of the Al-Qaeda embassy bombing in Tanzania. As war was launched against Afghanistan, Gary Bernson's group, operating with small military special forces teams, helped coordinate successful attacks. An alliance of Afghan forces, aided by U.S. air power, routed the Taliban swiftly. The fighters of al-Qaeda were bottled up in Tora Bora, a mountain hideout where this tale takes a frustrating turn. Mr. Bernson has chronicled these events in his book, Jawbreaker, subtitled The Attack on Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, a personal account by the CIA's key field commander. It is a vividly compelling read, despite censorship by the CIA, and we recommend it highly. Here to talk about it is author Gary Bernstein. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Gary. It's a pleasure to be with you here today, Doug. Jawbreaker, the term, the title of the book, refers to two teams you operated in Afghanistan, one before 9-11, one after. Can you give us a bit of background on what such operations entailed? Prior to uh, 11 September, uh, the Counterterrorism Center had been launching teams uh, into Afghanistan. This is Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, and I was part of one of those missions in 2000. We would be flown in secretly on Northern Alliance helicopters, which were literally buckets of bolts, uh, flown into the Panjshir Valley. We would meet up with Ahmed Shah Massoud's people and work with them in the collection of intelligence on Al-Qaeda, who had training camps and were experimenting with poisons and were doing all sorts of bad things there in those days. And, of course, then after uh, the, uh, the attacks on 11 September, uh, I had this serving in Latin America at that point, I was brought back by Kofor Black, the, uh, the chief of CIA's counterterrorism center, and then given the task of going in to do the, uh, the combat phase of the operation, which would be in November and December, and I handled all of eastern Afghanistan to include the battlefields of Talakan, the Shamali Plains, uh, Tora Bora, and then even Logar province, which would later become Operation Anaconda. Gary, if someone from the clandestine services writes a book and then fights the CIA in court to get it published, we figure he must have a good reason to do so. Recognizing that secret agents don't often chat with the press, we ask why you felt compelled to go public with this. Well, I, I believe that, that, that there are some things that are working in the war on terrorism, some things are not. And I believe that it is important that if we're going to have victory, that we need to have an open discussion about certain things. And uh, one of those things is risk aversion. The fact that the U.S. was incredibly risk-adverse. You know, the United States was attacked in Cobar Towers in 1996. Our embassies were attacked in uh, 1998 in East Africa. The coal was attacked in, in uh, 1999, and there was no suitable response. The United States was unwilling to attack those that were murdering our citizens. I, I believe that's disgraceful. And I believe that the United States needs to recognize, citizens need to recognize and demand of their elected officials that when these sorts of things happen, that we stand up and we confront these things head on. 11 September happened because we had not responded. When we, you know, inserted into Afghanistan in 2001, bin Laden was shocked that we had arrived on the ground. He could not believe that we had actually come. 
we had led him to believe that we were afraid and afraid to go into Afghanistan. I, I was shocked to learn in Jawbreaker that despite a string of successes in gathering and intelligence, helping coordinate the war very successfully, you were pulled off the Tora Bora operations against Al-Qaeda. It, it, it defies explanation. Um, what do you think happened? Unfortunately, uh, I think people wanted to, to declare victory a little bit early. You know, it's, you know, we had that problem in Iraq in the first war. Uh, and, um, you know, there was bureaucratic inertia to move people into key positions that were, you know, in favor of the, or, or were supported by the seventh floor leadership. I cannot tell you that I had a close or working relationship with either the DCI or the DDO. Um, you know, matter of fact, despite, made, you know, major, you know, leadership and operations against an entire variety of targets and having been awarded a number of things. I had never had an operational discussion with George Tenet in my career. <clears throat> I ran the thing, and, and I never spoke with him when I, when I finished the Afghan campaign. I went just right back to Latin America. Uh, so, you know, there was a, I think there was an effort to get some of their people, the Seventh Floor's people, management, their own people in those positions. Kofor Black had been permitted to, uh, you know, drive this thing forward using guys for the war, that he needed, but I think there was a reassertion of the bureaucracy over uh, over that staffing. You know, once the, the, the imminent danger was over. In the current issue of Vanity Fair, Peter Bergen has an article on Osama bin Laden. In the section on Tora Bora, Bergen cites some statements that were made about that operation. It's been controversial. As the as the field commander who chased Al Qaeda into the mountains, could you please establish the accuracy of some of some of those disputed remarks? I haven't read his article yet. I've just picked up his book. All right. Well, at one point he cites uh, President Bush's response to Senator John Kerry's statements that uh, bin, about bin Laden that he escaped in the mountains and we had him surrounded. The president responded that he, Kerry, charged that our military failed to get Osama bin Laden at Tora Bora, even though our top military commander, General Tommy Franks, said the senator's understanding of events does not square with reality. Bush went on, intelligence reports placed bin Laden in any of several countries at that time. Your response? Right. Well, I was the person on the ground providing the intelligence. And, uh, you know, we picked up his trail going in there. That's why I would never have sent eight men into Nangahar province under such great danger had bin Laden not been there. We picked up a radio off of a dead al-Qaeda fighter, and I had CIA's number one Arabic linguist with me. We listened to bin Laden's voice, so bin Laden was there. The U.S. military gave me the only Blue 82, 15,000-pound device left in theater to use against bin Laden. I think we dropped that on the 9th. So um, it uh, it's... You know, I can't uh, account for the statements made by the administration, but I will tell you unequivocally, he was there, and ultimately one day when people, you know, read the debriefings of those prisoners at Guantanamo, they'll get additional confirmation of his presence in Tora Bora. Now, during the debate, I could go back to that, and, and, and Kerry made a statement that was not correct also in the context of that debate. And what Kerry, John Kerry said was that the, that the president had left the battle to Afghans and that it, and warlords. Well, that was not entirely correct either, because it was right. the CIA that had put this entire thing together, that, that CIA forces were in there very, very early, that we orchestrated the entire uh, chain of events, that my men were up there calling in the airstrikes, we brought an SF team in, and then Delta Force. So Senator Kerry's attacks on the president were not correct exactly, and then, of course, the president's response uh, was not exactly correct either, and I think it was I think, quite frankly, it was the fog of war. And, and quite frankly, no one ever debriefed me fully when I came back. Maybe six months or a year later, the history staff sat down with me and did a briefing, a debriefing of me. But I never, ever gave a presentation on what occurred in Afghanistan 
inside the CIA. I did have a 30-minute meeting with John McLaughlin, the DDCI, the day after I came back, but I never met with Tennant, and I only had a a 10-minute discussion with uh, the DDO, Jim Pabbitt. So there was never a, 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 a sufficient debriefing of me when I returned because I went back out to Latin, uh, returned to Latin America and they felt no need to, to speak with me. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Very odd. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know, Gary, you respect General Tommy Franks a great deal, assisted him directly on several occasions, but just the, that final quote I wanted to, to deal with from Vanity Fair, they, they quoted National Security Council Frederick Jones, who in response to your charges repeated the statement from the general, we don't know to this day whether Mr. Bin Laden was at Tora Bora in December 2001. How can I not conclude that General Franks is not misleading the public? Um, I don't know what Franks, you know, I sent my reporting back to Washington, you know, and, uh, you know, on those days, you know, uh, you know and, and I coordinated with CIA headquarters. I never spoke directly to CENTCOM leadership. I would speak to a CIA officer that right. was there, you know, on the phone occasionally. And I spoke to the CIA uh, to the excuse me to the military commanders on the ground, and I, I told them what we I, what my recommendation was, and that I had written a recommendation back to the introduction of ground troops. I was quite clear on all of this. Uh, so uh, you know I can't account for statements made by someone else. All I can say is is that he was there. I called for that. They gave me the airstrikes. They were generous with the airstrikes. Right. They provided Delta Force to the U.S. military. Those that were there on the field of battle fought like lions, and we can be all very, very proud of them. Unfortunately, the, 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 the equation that was used, small numbers of CIA officers and special forces operators leveraging air power and working with, Afghanistan's, with, with Afghan warlords worked fine up to the last moment, and when we needed to make the adjustment, and I had requested the introduction of ground forces, I never got them. Yes, I believe you asked for 800 special forces uh, U.S. agents. Like six to 800 rangers. Um, in Jawbreaker, you note that the U.S. lost interest in Afghanistan after the Russians pulled out. It led to factional fighting and eventually a hostile fundamentalist Islamic government. Are things, uh, how do you see things in Afghanistan now? I think Hamid Karzai is a fine man. Uh, the president of Afghanistan is a figure that is trying to you know, bring the place back together. Uh, the Tajiks recognized that he was a good man, even though he was a baton, and the Hazaras were all willing to work with him. It's a, still a country that is very backward, has significant economic problems, significant problems with narcotics and isolation and violence. It's, it's you know, democracy is going to, it's, 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 it's a long, tough road there. We shouldn't abandon them. We need to help Karzai and those that want to try to create and maintain, you know, national reconciliation and a better life for its people. It's never going to be easy there, as it won't be easy in places like Somalia or Albania, but it's, it, it, we should continue to help Karzai. Karzai has Karzai has a vision for the place that is compatible with what we believe is, is, is good for that part of the world. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Hamid Karzai. He's a brave man. Your, your book leads us to a point where, of course, that job against those who attack us uh, was not completed. It remains incompleted as we've as we launched a war in Iraq. Can you give us uh, your opinion on fighting in Iraq rather than going all out to mop up terrorists hanging out in the Afghan-Pakistan border? I think the president was in a very, very difficult situation in Iraq. Uh, multiple, more than a dozen UN calls for Saddam Hussein to open up his his weapons programs. He continued to to hide, obscure, to to block, you know, the efforts of the international community. Uh, ultimately, the president was left with very very little options. I didn't believe that weapons of mass destruction alone were were needed to be, you know. Uh, I, I thought regime change is what we needed because I believe that Saddam was a weapon of mass destruction. 
You know, he, he invaded Iran, invaded Kuwait, you know, attacked Saudi Arabia. I mean, this man was a psychopath. And ultimately, he would have put those two psychopath sons of his in charge of a modern industrial state. It was a difficult thing. The problem, of course, in Iraq was the, uh, our failure to take advantage of that magic moment after we invaded and suppressed the insurgency before it got started and, 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 and move a little bit more rapidly there. So there have been, uh, I was a supporter of our effort to remove Saddam. Unfortunately, there have been significant errors, uh, you know, following the invasion, and, and we have paid dearly for those. You say in the book you believe we can still get Osama bin Laden. How would you go about it if you were charged with the responsibility? Well, I, I think they're going to have to continue using our clandestine service and the, the age-old tactics of human sources. Ultimately, it will pay the dividends that are needed. But they need to continue to press on, and they are pressing on. I think Porter Goss has good people on that. He's not forgotten about this. You don't hear a lot about it in the press. But you can trust that he's pursuing this thing with, with all due vigor. Gary, your book describes the sacrifices that the, the family of someone, uh, an individual like yourself, must make when you're out on assignment. Could you please pass along a thanks to them for what they must endure without your presence? Thank you very much. And, and, and I got quite a laugh out of your tale of your mother, who thought you were at work in Washington, D.C., only to be watching CNN as film is shown of you emerging from a chopper in Afghanistan. Of course, she called my sister and said, is that Gary getting off the helicopter? And my, my sister responded, no. And then after a few minutes, finally, my sister had to admit, looking at it, she said, well, he sure gets around, Mom. <laughs> well, f final question. We try and live by the rule in this program that you never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity, but, but you're getting yanked away from Tora Bora. It does seem beyond stupid. C can we discount the possibility that someone wanted bin Laden to get away? No one wanted him to get away. Okay. No one wanted him to get away. You can discount that. All right. It's been suggested that people didn't want to make him a martyr, and that might have been a reason. No, no, no. We were trying very hard to make him a martyr. <laughs> I can assure you. I was trying to arrange that meeting between him and our maker. Well, Gary Bernstein, we thank you very much for talking with us and wish you the best in future assignments, and we're glad that men like you are fighting al-Qaeda terrorists. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Well, I hope you found that to be as interesting as I did. Uh, we have been unstinting in our criticism of the Bush administration on the Iraq war, one we thought was unnecessary, one we predicted before it happened. But we don't feel uh, the same way about the war in Afghanistan. We don't think that uh, going around the world affecting regime changes is uh, such a great idea. However, in the case of the Taliban, we'd be willing to make an exception, particularly in light of the fact that we were attacked from bases in Afghanistan by al-Qaeda, which was given refuge there, and, uh, and a lot of sympathy from fundamentalist Islamic militants. We regret uh, that we only had 15 minutes with Mr. Bernson. If we'd had a few more, I would have asked him uh, the following. 
We read of Saudi Arabian money and Saudi clerics encouraging attacks on Iraq. Would you care to comment on Saudi Arabia, which supplied 15 of the 19 September 11th hijackers? Alas, there was no time. Gary Brinson is obviously very diplomatic when he describes his differences of opinion with, uh, with uh, those in, uh, uh, in positions of great authority. I did note that he said, I can't account for administration policy when, uh, when it didn't seem to make sense based on what he was saying. And I uh, said, I can't account for statements made by someone else when it seems clear to this, uh, this program that uh, either, either Gary Bernson is, is lying in his book uh, Jawbreaker or uh, Tommy Franks is when he tells the public that we did not have any idea as to whether Osama bin Laden was at Tora Bora. It's my opinion anyway, and we should mention at this point that the opinions heard on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. I know we said that before, but this juncture it might be a good time to say it again. Jawbreaker is a good read. I think that uh, one can read between the lines on a great deal in the book in terms of criticism of uh, what uh, has been uh, done and what has been said by policymakers. Gary was not about to say that uh, President Bush got it wrong and John Kerry got it right when, he, when Kerry said, quote, he escaped in the mountains of Tora Bora. We had him surrounded. He also said we didn't choose to use American forces to hunt down and kill him. Gary Bernson, the, uh, the commander in the field of the CIA's operations at Tora Bora, was asking repeatedly and forcefully for such forces. He was denied. Bin Laden got away. I'd like to close with the final paragraph from the book, Jawbreaker. Gary Bernson says, Terrorism won't be stopped by intelligence collection and military force alone. Compassion in trying to feed the world's hungry, heal its sick, and support people's search for freedom and dignity must remain at the core of our international goals. The challenges we face as we enter the 21st century are daunting. We have a lot of work to do. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Stay tuned for segment three. We're going to wrap up uh, quite a few things. Mm-hmm.